Welcome to this week's episode of Life in the Clouds. This is part two of our interview with Frank Lamar, software engineer at Delta Airlines, who's in town for the Red Hat conference. Enjoy. What about the flip side? So, you know, there's definitely some skills that the classic operations function like is very good at like you know you can kind of want those site reliability engineering or kind of like incident response and things like that like what would be like a a major takeaway that app teams you think might be able to learn from infrastructure or operations teams i think one thing i think one takeaway would be to consider um resource use and resource consumption from the very beginning. Uh, I know when I was a young programmer, when I was first learning to code, I never really thought about the implications of the way I was writing my software and how that would impact the system that I was running on. I was just trying to solve the problem and get the result. But being hand in hand with infrastructure people, um, the people whose phone or pager goes off when something is wrong with the server, it makes you stop and think about those implications from the very beginning. And you want to uh, be a good steward of the resources that are available to you from the, both the infrastructure side as well as the development side. So totally. being, I, I would say from my experience, I've definitely become a better steward of the resources available to me as before it was just I wanted to check in code. It's a, an analogy that I've always used is like, you know, if you knew that you're cutting out the shape, then you may color outside the lines just to get it done really quickly. But if you knew that coloring out some of the lines cost you more money, but you didn't know that until the shape was cut out and then you got kind of um, asked for it, like that's kind of the way that, that, not sloppy code, I'm not saying that you wrote sloppy code, but to your point, like without these considerations, I think another way in which infrastructure teams, I think could be utilized is that they're, with being forced to have lower budgets, they're actually being, or in the last couple of years, have been forced to figure out how to utilize or improve processes and probably been a little bit more diligent on that. Um, They're the first teams within a lot of enterprise that are being asked to change their skill sets, right? A lot of those teams are, and I see a lot of the clashes between the two cultures of the application team and the infrastructure team, especially in large or older enterprises like yourself is just, you know, who am I? This is what I really wanted to do is to build out the best working factories in the world, which are data centers. Um, (laughs) But if you're outsourcing that because, you know, you can do it cheaper offshore or whatever. Yeah, then it, it, it slowly has changed, right? Especially, I would say, exponentially changed since 2014 or within the last you know, five years since Amazon has uh, broken out their income or revenue as an actual public cloud company, right? That happened Mm -hmm. for the first time in 2014. So I think the last five years, especially on the infrastructure side of the house, has had a lot of infrastructure, a lot of different cultural dynamics that have been forced upon it. So it would be neat to figure out how those two sides of the fence can better utilize each other too. Yeah, I mean, frankly, I think too, like you, you saw this at Netflix, you see this at a lot of companies, like infrastructure and operations are the ones that, you know, just to be blunt about it, that's where people are getting fired from, right? Like yeah. you hear like all sorts of companies, Fortune 5 software companies, like we're hiring hundreds or thousands of software engineers, like you don't hear like we're ramping up our infrastructure and operations group. Um, 
And I would, I would argue, too, that it probably started a bit before the cloud. Like a lot of the companies that got super efficient were able to script that and lower their headcounts, like in terms of managing their servers, even in a non-cloud, like an old, like a client server environment. The companies that could do that through scripting and tooling and automation, you know, typically had wider margins, like didn't have as much like fixed labor costs. Um, or even variable cost, depending on how they were implementing the pro the process. Um, and I mean, you see that you see that kind of in, in any function. Yeah, and and I even see. I remember meeting um, an infrastructure engineer uh, who did it for Facebook, and he didn't work physically for Facebook. And this was back in 2014. So, I mean, this specialized kind of service is perfect for outsourcing at some point or the other. So I agree with you. I think it's it's cool that you're at least looking to those teams and then right off the bat thinking of something that you can utilize to your counterparts or or that or the other thing. So neat. Um, <clears throat> I guess outside of like DevOps and, and your kind of day job, but any trends that are exciting you in, in technology right now? You mentioned serverless. Anything kind of outside of that? Have you played around in serverless at all yourself? Um, I've played around in serverless um, when it came to uh, Alexa skills. I've done gone. There was like an Alexa skills day in Atlanta, and I went to that and got a chance to play around with deploying a couple of uh, deploying a couple of Alexa skills. Oh, Alexa is in like the home automation yes the little Chat black bot? circle yeah. on like people's Google home? desk yep. that okay. probably just set off i thought you said lexus yeah. and i was like what is, no. <laughs> what is toyota doing now <laughs> so sorry alexa okay yeah um i guess a, a trend that i'm really enjoying seeing is the uh, seeing some mature applications of machine learning and ai and the way that those are being used. Uh, I think a recent statistic I saw where uh, the size of Google's, uh, the Google Assistant's machine learning library has been reduced over the past three years down to half a gigabyte. And so now they can store the entire library on your device. So the machine learning processing happens on device, which reduces the latency. So I'm interested to see like the different applications of how that's going to play out in our, in our regular everyday lives. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, they call that what, like edge cloud or whatever you're going to hear in the next two years that's going to be annoying from a marketing perspective. But The same thing um, that's existed forever Yeah, that they're now marketing. The other thing, well, or the other thing that I always think is funny is like I'm an AT&T customer. Love AT&T. The iPhone first, which is why I went. <laughs> um, also love getting texts while I'm on the phone. You know, I talked to my mom for a long period of time, so it's good to be able to surf the internet while you do that. Uh, but they've recently done the 5G. So, so I fake, guess fake 5G. Fake 5G. Yeah. It's like 5G. E. It's like yeah. yeah right. It's like <laughs> it's worse than LTE. Right <laughs> I, I have to be real about that. But once again, we want to thank our sponsor, G1 Consulting Group at G1CG. If you need any help with any technology projects, whether it's to get one off the ground, get one across the finish line, just need general advice and guidance, uh, check out the folks at G1 Consulting Group. They've got a great team of individuals to help you out with any kind of problem uh, or concerns you have with technology delivery. So thanks again and back to our interview. 
so I guess 5G, uh, Edge, we've hit on a lot of these like up and coming emerging trend buzzwords. Is there something in your personal life? So you said you did this Alexa thing. Are you like we turn on and off our bedroom lights, our TVs, um, but like we're nerds. So we try to do that. Like, we do that by voice command. Yeah. Is there anything that you do in your house currently uh, as far as that's like super IOT friendly or excited about more edge or 5G use cases? Yeah, I'm pretty nerdy. Yeah? <laughs> so I have a lot of those things uh, enabled as well. Probably the... Um, like a, a Ruby cube that goes and gets your paper or whatnot. Rubik's. Is it Rubik's? Rubik's the, cube. Okay. No, but what's the one that you'd like, you, you'd program the really easily... Raspberry Pi. Brass, yes. Yeah. I had so, some of the consonants. You had the R. <laughs> yeah. I had the R. Had the R. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I tinker around with, with things outside of work. Uh, probably the coolest thing I've done is have a little Raspberry Pi camera that I can check in on my dog when I'm at work. He um, just got a beagle. Yeah, Congratulations. Have, have, have a beagle. Um, shout out to Sir Norman Baxter, the beagle. The regal beagle, if he's listening. The regal um, beagle. Yeah, he's Sir the Sir Normal. Nice. <laughs> We were going to go, what were we going to name? Anyway, whatever. Okay, so you have a little Raspberry Pi. Yeah, so I take around with the Raspberry Pi. I have a little Raspberry Pi camera set up so I can you know, drop in and take a look at him. When he's Cheaper than Nest? Way cheaper than Nest. I probably could, I don't know, maybe a third of the price plus without the subscription fee. Um, you can house everything. Plus, right then there. Google's not watching your house. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. They, I mean, I'm sure they are anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I play around with that. Um, so other trends that I think are interesting. I, I think we're getting over the the buzz buzziness. I don't know if that's the cloud. Word. The yeah. the buzziness of um, machine learning and AI. I think the buzz has moved on beyond beyond those two subjects. So now we're starting actually starting to see what they're capable of and the things that they're um, the things that they're producing. So like, I'm I'm really excited to see like the way that the Google Assistant will like change. Like I can't imagine not Googling things anymore and not having, not being able to like uh, access like Google search or I'm, I'm pretty invested in like the, uh, the Google e ecosystem. But I'm interested to see like the way the Assistant and it, I think they, a the little tagline for it is we built like Google, we first we built a Google, now we're building a Google for you. But to see the way that they are going to- Access to innovation yeah. is there. Personal per keyword, <laughs> like personalize that information and those responses, while at the same time like respecting my data privacy and allowing me to have like control over my data and where it's going to go. Yeah, it's interesting. Whenever we talk about like new and upcoming trends, I actually bring up regulation as a thing that I think is going to be more an upcoming trend. Like GDPR really affected a lot of companies, and it, yeah. and Dustin's laughing because it's like one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm right laughing now. because not this administration. <laughs> well, so well, right, but also the only company that really got uh, affected by GDPR was Google. Um, they, there was like $55 million worth of fines or whatever, and 50 of it went to Google, oh, wow. <laughs> actually. So it, it's interesting on how that's going to make or break people's decisions going forward. I think data privacy will definitely be a big thing. I think, to your point, DevOps, Sec, or DevSecOps, or whatever people are calling it now, 
security is more at a forefront of it. In fact, there was one res- or assessment that I know that we did at Dell, which was looking at like digital innovators or, or people that have gone through digital transformations. Mm-hmm. And they actually saw digital transformations of the Fortune 500's plateau from 2016 to 2018. Um, which was surprising because myself, I'm like, oh, like, you know, tech got better ish. Mm-hmm. But the, the biggest issue was that um, people were afraid of risk. And that was the number one reason where in 2016, it was like issue number 11 or nine or something like it was very much further down the, the list. So I think security has been more of an emerging trend outside yeah. of just the technology trends. But. Another trend that I could just. Another trend that I see is kind of like the the distrust of technology. Like we were riding a pretty smooth wave of innovation coming off of the tail end of the dot-com bubble. And it's all these new things that technology was enabling us to do. And people are really excited about it. And in the current state, people are like less trustful of technology. And I'm just kind of wondering how that's going to play out. Like we have like some, the big players in the game and I, I kind of, wonder like are these companies too big like are they going to be broken up through government regulation at some point the same way that other monopolies like um like bell was you know years ago i just wonder like as they continue to grow and do more types of things and as public trust wanes like what's going to happen to these companies i think too that's a bit of a shifting window there's a term for it i forget but it's somebody's window where like you get more and more comfortable as time goes on because you think about like when Orwell wrote 1984, a lot of that is like, this will never happen. And then like in the UK, they had almost universal CCTV coverage on their streets. And in the US, people were like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. That will never happen here. And now like people are okay with that. And then when cameras first started being on laptops and in homes, like people were like, oh, I don't know. I don't want people spying on me. And now we willingly put all sorts of camera enabled devices just so that it's like easier to order pizza or easier to play Spotify. So um, I think I think there may be some backlash, but I also think that people just get more comfortable with giving up some of that privacy over time if it, if it gives them the right kind of value. Um, well, I think we're uh, getting close to about out of time here today. Uh, Frank, any any parting words of wisdom from from your side? Parting words of wisdom. Automate faster than evil. Nice. Automate like faster it. than evil? Yes. <laughs> All right. I like that. I like just, that, Just got to stay slightly ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us. And, uh, you know, have a great rest of the conference and safe travels back to Atlanta. Yeah. Welcome back yeah. anytime. Love <laughs> thanks for having me. For sure. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, another edition of Life in the Clouds with uh, Brittany and Dustin and our guest, Frank. Uh, hope you all have a great week. Take care.